Praise and Worship is a community of people in Branson, Missouri, who are gathering, growing, being encouraged, and sharing with others the love and hope of Jesus. Learn more online at branson.church. Dat marlan, in anatomashicha, bara de haleha. Anea na. Good I want you to think of these three words, all of it. Tonight I'm going to be saying these words over and over again. These are the promises of God, all of it, right? And they come, believe it or not, from this book. Now this book you need to know, and I share this, I've shared this before, I'll share it again. This book is a great source of sadness and suffering and frustration for me and personal, personally. It is <clears throat> the Tanakh. Now, the Tanakh is a Hebrew word that is a bit of an acronym that says these three Hebrew words, which you can't see and I'm not going to bore you with, but they are Torah, they are um, the Nevaim, and the Kituvim. The Torah are the instructions of God. These are his words in the first five books of the Bible. The Nevaim are the, are the prophets. These are Isaiah, which we've read from tonight, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and, and the 12 prophets. It's also... The Ketuvim, which are the writings, the Psalms, the, the wisdom literature of Job and, 
and Ecclesiastes and the story of Ruth and all those many places we've been this year and will continue to learn and grow in. But this particular one is written in Hebrew. And so I always love to share my suffering a little bit, especially on Good Friday. It's a day when we ponder suffering. This was when I was in seminary, I struggled greatly with this book. Um, but what's interesting is what's in the book. It's all Hebrew and you'd have to go to class and you'd have to translate out of it. And I have it turned open to Isaiah 53 today. Because though I struggled in translation, and I've learned a lot since then, and I had great teachers. Um, Dr. Lessing would be so proud of me that I, I still work in the Hebrew text, um, although suffer might be a better word than work. Um, nonetheless, um, with all of this being said, in here are the promises of God. But you know what else is in here? The laws of God. And so oftentimes, you and I will be attracted to the laws of God. We'll be attracted to them, such as, and you, know, you can think of these easily. I love to summarize the laws of God as the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. Um, for example, thou shalt not steal. All right, that's pretty easy, right? How about thou shalt not murder? All right, here's another one, right? Um, did I just, wait a minute, did I say thou shalt steal? No, thou shalt not steal. Um, let's make that sure that that's right. Whatever you're doing, your thou shalts or your thou shalt nots, thou shalt honor your father and your mother, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet your neighbor or your neighbor's possessions or your neighbor's family or your neighbor's anything else. And what happens when we read the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots, there's only one possible outcome. Well, it happens a lot of different ways. But if I said to you, don't you ever commit adultery? And you'd be like, hey, Mark, I've always been faithful. And some of you might, well, I don't want to talk about that. But the point is, wherever, however much adultery you've committed, all of us have committed adultery one way or the other. All of us have coveted one way or the other. When we read the story of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, we find out that we've all committed enough sins to send us to hell a million times over. But he's not content with that. He doesn't want that as the outcome. That's not his desire. We so often want, invite folks to remember John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world, for God so, what's that word? <laughs> loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but they'll have everlasting life. And then some people, will, yeah, but, and then there's the yeah, buts. We've been talking about those in our, story, in our journey through the Gospel of Mark. But no yeah, buts. No, throw them out again. We said it a few weeks ago, throw them out again today. No yeah, buts, because there's verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come to, to crank up the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came here knowing that you and I cannot fulfill the works of the Torah. We cannot fulfill the law. But he did. Do you hear that? Jesus fulfilled the Torah. Jesus fulfilled the Nevaim. Jesus fulfilled the Ketuvim and all the things in between. Jesus fulfilled everything that you and I cannot fulfill.
Now you might be saying, because what happens is, is our sinful selves, which we got this way when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or as we like to call it, praise and worship, the tree of I know everything. And if you've ever noticed, you're always right. So you can know that you are, you are, you're someone who is connected to the tree of I know everything. I've always noticed I'm always right. And everyone I've ever talked to considers themselves to have pretty solid opinions most of the time. And if there's ever anything you don't know, you go learn it and then you're right about it. See, this is how it works. So in all of this, we, 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 this thing that swells up in us is that it can't be that way, Mark. It can't, Mark, are you telling me that, that God would forgive everything? No, he's telling you that. And I'm just the messenger here to tell you what's in his word, to make sure you read his word so you don't just take my word for it to make sure to to invite you to participate in a community of Christians that are longing after his word and his heart his heart which is love tonight we're going we've been looking at how it happened we're also looking at why it happened it's because of his love why would god forgive everything because of his love why would jesus go through all of the things that we've been looking at tonight because of his love why would he do this because he loves you please hear that trust that Believe that and know that. That's, what's, that's his proclamation to you on this night. So, so with that, we need to get a little more specific. Because all of it's true. It's, it, in, in some ways, the sermon's over. And I know there's a few people going, yeah, let's, uh, let's mute the pastor, one of the great gifts of online church. You can just turn it off anytime you want. But, but I invite you to stick around because there's a couple more minutes we need to spend with this. And that is... That there, we need to get more specific because what happens in our experience of life is we might sit there and go, wow, so God forgave me all my sins. He did so when Jesus died on the cross. Yay. But our experience isn't quite like that. And I mean, our present circumstances, the fact that I'm staring into a camera on a, on a tripod and I'm trying to stand on a hill that's not level and the birds are chirping and telling us that everything is wonderful, praising God. Our experience isn't like that. Our experience is things go wrong. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. You might be sitting there not knowing where your next paycheck or if you'll ever have another one because of furlough or laid off or who knows how what's going to happen. Or maybe you're sitting there and you've, you put everything you got into this retirement account and then the market just literally crashed and you're just like, what's, when is it going to come back? How long is this going to work? Am I just going to be, what am I going to have to do if I'm going to go back to work? Some of you are sitting there going, yeah, Mark, I got a, I got a job that's very secure. I'm working in healthcare, and now I'm worried when I go there, I have plenty of work to do. But what's going to happen to me? What am, how am I going to face the people that I'm trying to, to help treat and provide medicine for? On the list could go. Some of you are stuck at home and you're just, and all of the sports have been canceled and all of the classes and everything are moved online and your eyes are bleeding from all the screen time you've had. You know, it's like we've had all this time, like we had a limit screen time, limit screen time, limit screen time. Now everything's online and we're all just dying over, you know, we're like past the vast, past the, uh, the eye drops. And it's just like, what are we going to do? And so our experience isn't quite so simple. We want to get specific. I want you to think about your guilt right now. Because um, what I have found is as we go through a world that's broken and we have fears and we have all these things that happen, the anxiety of it all, the, the problems that creep up, what happens is then we're like, oh, I know I shouldn't feel that way, right? And we start to feel 
guilty. Sometimes on Good Friday, people will come along and they'll be like, you know, those nails that went into Jesus' hands were meant for you. And I would agree with that. They were. You and I, we stood guilty before God before this day. Before this day, that's true. But guess what? (laughs) This day happened 1,987 years ago, the day when Jesus took the nails. I want you to not sit there and watch those images of him being mocked and beaten and crucified and sitting there feeling guilty about it. Don't do that. He took away your guilt. Here comes those words. How much of your guilt? All of it. He took away all of your guilt. So you're sitting there and you might feel guilty. And make no mistake, the Holy Spirit will come in and he'll work on our conscience so that if we start to stray from these good gifts, he's there to help us to not go back into the pit, right? He doesn't want us to go back. And every once in a while we do and we fall down and everything. That's why we gather here, whether it be online or in person, praying for the in-person part to come soon. But however we gather, we gather together to hear it again because we need to know it again. The devil will deceive us again. Jesus comes and proclaims the truth again. All of it. He took all of your guilt away. It is all gone. You do not need to worry. You do not need to fear God in the sense of him as somebody who is going to punish you. Guys, the punishment was given in full on good Friday. It was paid in full for you. All of it. Now there's another thing we need to get specific about and that is our shame. I don't know if you ever struggle with shame. All of us do one way or the other and in different cultures shame works different ways but all of us struggle with shame. Shame is when, when, for example, <laughs> you, all of a sudden you find your whole life is in front of a camera, right? There's some shame. Yeah, it's like, wow. Um, shame is when, you, when, you, when something happens and you have to face other people. And you're like, I'm not authentic. I'm not real. I am a fake piece of whatever you want to put in that blank. Whatever the devil wants, to put, wants you to put in that blank. So... What happened on the cross? So God poured out all of his wrath on his own son, Jesus, so that you and I would not receive any of it. No punishment for you and for me. Our guilt is taken away. How much of it? All of it. And he also did something amazing on the cross. Jesus took our shame. I know all of our pictures show Jesus wearing a loincloth, but when it would have happened, he was completely naked on there. He was completely and totally vulnerable and completely covered in our shame. Page three, page one, I mean, of the Bible, it says that Adam and Eve were naked and they felt no shame. And then when they, eat, when they ate from the tree of I know everything, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, suddenly they realized they were naked and they were ashamed. I don't, have to def- I don't have to define shame for you. You know what it is. And you need to know that that shame was, all of our shame was given to Jesus on this day, 1,987 years ago. How much of our shame? All of it. Mark, are you saying, no, <laughs> no, no. The Bible is saying, 
And in a moment, I'm going to show you some really powerful passages that you can take with you to always remember. These are just simple ones that you can take with you and, and focus on every day. There's a third part we need to get specific about. We need to get specific about a third part. And this is our sins, right? This, this is the sinful nature, the, 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 the thing that causes us to always keep going one way when we should go another. And it's like you hear the good news of Jesus and you're like, ah, oh, why do I still have trouble? Because sin is not gone from our bodies. It's in our flesh. It is a disease, kind of type of disease, although not as curable as something like COVID in one sense, but far more curable in another sense, as we'll talk about. And the thing about it is, is that sin is this thing that lives in us, Romans chapter 7, verse 20, which causes us to stray from, to, to wander from, to desire things other than the righteousness of God. And so what we will do is we will look at ourselves and we will think about our guilt, we will think about our shame, we will look at the, the, the symptoms of the sinful flesh, which are our sins, the things that we do, the things that we fail to do, and we will say, I'm no good. And we will make that our identity connected to our sin rather than connected to our Savior. And I want you to hear what the scripture tells you about your sins. How much, how many of your sins and how much of your sin has been taken away from you and put on Jesus on this day 1,987 years ago? You guys are saying it in your living room. Say it in your kitchen, on your back porch. It's kind of a pretty day today. If you're sitting on your deck, say it. All of it. All of your sin, all of your sins, however you want to say it, they've all been nailed to the cross and poured out on the Son of God and the Son of Man, the Lord God Most High, come to save you and me. We call him Christ. The word means Messiah, which means the one who came to save you and to save me. I'm telling you this. <laughs> it's God's word. It's God's word for you. Mark, are you saying? He's saying. So, if he took our guilt, and he took our shame, and he took our sin, what did he give us? This is the cool part. So, in place of, his, in place of um, his, our guilt, and in place of all the things that we think about with our guilt, and with our shame, and with our sin, he gave us his innocence. He gave us his glory. He gave us his righteousness. Mark, he did not do that. He did not do that. I can't, how is that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He who knew no sin became sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And because you have Jesus' righteousness, you have his innocence, and you have his glory. His glory? No, it's God's glory. It's not mine. Oh, really? Romans chapter 8, verses, well, really all of the whole chapter, but right in the middle of it, there are these powerful verses where he says, talks about God's glory, and talks about how we participate in it because of Jesus. And see, glory becomes a really strange thing. Because we think, oh, no, it's his glory. Because it can't be on me because I, I have shame. Well, no, you don't. <laughs> how much 
of your shame, how much of your guilt and your shame and your sin has been taken away? All of it. And how much of Jesus' innocence and glory and righteousness have he, has he given to you on this day? All of it. All of it. All of it. Amen. Please pray with me. Father, we ask you boldly right now to help us believe this, to help us look up these scriptures, to help us study and dig deeper and go into the truth that, that you have taken our guilt, our shame, and our sin, and you have put them on Jesus at the cross 1,987 years ago, and that since that date, he has been freely giving his innocence, his glory, and his righteousness to us. Lord, we pray boldly that you would help us believe this by your gift and by your power. In the mighty name of Jesus, the Christ, the rescuer, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Even though Mark's gospel doesn't record it, we see it in the other gospel where um, Jesus, in John's gospel, he he says something right before he breathes his last breath. He says something that I want you to say every time that the devil comes to you and says, let me tell you about your, let me tell you about your guilt. Let me tell you about your shame. Let me tell you about all of your sin and all the things you failed to do or should have done or would have done or could have blah, 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 blah. I want you to tell him what Jesus said 1,987 years ago. I want you to tell him, first of all, you know what? He took all of it from me, and he gave me all of his, all of his innocence, all of his glory, and all of his righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. And you know what else he said? When he was on the cross, right before he breathed his last breath, It is finished.